there, most dear people. Welcome to For Real. I'm Kim Stewart, your very grateful host, and I'm happy to reintroduce you today to my guest. Kayla Craig joined us on For Real in our very first season, only one episode in. She is OG. I loved her then, and I love her still. So I'm stoked she agreed to talk with me again. Kayla is a writer, a great question generator, a podcaster, and she writes the words that I can't seem to find some days when I'm talking about and with God. I think you will love hearing from her. So let's jump right into my conversation with Kayla Craig. Kayla Craig, illustrious author and liturgist and mom and all the things. Thank you for joining me on For Real. I'm so excited you're back. I told my husband, I'm like, I'm looking forward to talking because it's like talking with a friend. Thank you for having me again. I didn't scare you off too bad. Oh no, you're (laughs) a total veteran. Also, the last time we saw each other, we literally ran into each other in the Palm Springs airport. Is that that the last time we saw each other? We had a meet cute. We really did. (laughs) Which is funny since we're both stay-at-home moms in Iowa. So (laughs) we felt really glamorous for like 25 minutes. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Kayla, I'm so excited to talk with you because um, you wrote a beautiful book. You already wrote one other beautiful book that I love that we've talked about before (laughs) called To Light Their Way, but you have a new one coming out. September 19th is the release date. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it because I love it. But before I go into that, I would love for you to talk to me about your family because this is a family book. I'm holding it up for our YouTubers. It's a fan. Isn't that beautiful cover? You got a beautiful cover. And when you, when you get the hard cover, it's like, Oh, Oh, it's so lovely. It's what I want out on my table all the time, but you have written a book for families. And I can't wait to talk to you about this because some folks have attempted that. And, um, I wouldn't say that it's always successful because families are layered and multi-generational and multi-aged and somehow lady, you pulled it off. (gasps) So before we dig into how you possibly did that, tell me about your family, introduce us to them um, and let us know about how that worked. And part B, please talk to, talk to us about living in a convent. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Okay. So I have four kids. They're between the ages of seven and 13 newly. So we have a lot of kind of ages and stages. Our family grew through um, adoption as well as I gave birth to two of my sons. My daughter, Eliza, is amazing. Uh, She has Down syndrome and quite a few disabilities due to um, a seizure disorder that she had. So we're never a dull moment in our house. We have a lot of different personalities, a lot of different preferences. We spent all summer together, which, you know, we do live in a former convent. So we have a lot of square feet, but I feel like we're always in the same room. And I'm like, how is this (laughs) happening? I love you so much. And also we could disperse at times. That's so, so yeah. my life, not the convent part. Although I have <laughs> also lived in a former convent. That's we right. have this in common. Did we, I tell you that one time? So weird. Yes, you did. That is That's weird. That is it wild. doesn't come up often, Kayla, but I feel like you're my <laughs> fellow former nun. Um, but that happens in my house too. I think, wow, we have a lot of rooms here and you're all here in this room next to me. 
I thought that might change when they got older. And I'm, I want you to know that it doesn't, it doesn't change. Yep. Those rooms are for not is what I'm telling you. (laughs) Okay. So I want to talk to you about this. You mentioned you have a bunch of different personalities and different preferences. Um, and yet you have written a book for all of us and you organize this book. I just want to jump right in because this is where we're planning to re- to release this in the fall when f- families are thinking again about, okay, how do we reintroduce structure and we re- reintroduce kind of rhythms and moments that we're sharing. Um, and in my family, that has gotten more complicated, not less as the kids grow up and they find their mojo and I want them to, right? I want them to be doing all the different things. And I like it that I have three very, very different kids, but that does present um, some challenges then in terms of when we get back together, how can we have rich conversations that kind of hit multi, multiple different developmental stages and also preferences and personality. So one way that you organize this is by season. So the seasons of the year. So summer, winter, fall, and spring. My question for you is as we dive in, what season are you living right now? Because I don't think it's just kids who go through this. So both as a woman and then also as a parent, do you have any thoughts on that? The kind of season that you're living Oh my gosh. That's a great question. I feel like I, it changes sometimes by the day, right? You know, like sometimes I'm house goblin and I'm not going outside and I'm wintering even in the summer, you know, I'm just like, I just need to, to be here and have my people here. There are other seasons where it's like new growth, you know, like coming out of that. And, and that sometimes is like, you don't even realize you're doing it. And then you're like, oh, I have some new energy toward this, or I am starting to explore new ideas. And and so I really feel like it's this kind of interesting cycle that, that ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, day to day sometimes. Totally. Do you give yourself license for that? Do you, are you good at saying like, you know, this is a season for growth or this is my house goblin season. Are you pretty good at let, letting that come? Or do you feel like a tension of, no, I should be more blank. Yes. I think it's something I have to be really intentional about and work on because there's always those shoulds, you know, I have a spiritual director and we were talking, she's like, you're saying should a lot. You're saying should a whole lot. And I'm like, I know, but I should have energy to like do everything my house needs. I should have energy to do all the therapies that my daughter needs. I should have energy to be thinking about my next book. But, you know, also I know that's not coming from God. Those shoulds are not coming from God. And so I have to be really intentional to say, in this season, this is the best I can do. This is what it looks like to care for my own soul. This is what it looks like to care for the soul of my family. This is what it looks like to receive the love of God. And this was what it looks like to pour out. And it's different and it changes all the time. That's so wise. And I find it kind of hard to do sometimes. I don't know why the should is so powerful. It's like in capital letters all the time in my brain. So um, I love it that you just mentioned you should that little bit right there that you say, I should have all the, all the energy for both my home and also bringing Eliza to all of her appointments and fully engaging in those conversations. We're talking just after, um, I had a beautiful week at a place called hope heals camp, which is a spot that our friends, um, Catherine and Jay Wolf have for families who are experiencing disability in any family member. And they talk beautifully about mutual ministry 
between people who are experiencing disability and then and typically abled people. And as a mom of Eliza, I'm wondering about that for you. How this should of needing, you know, caregivers in particular, I think I watched this over and over in the last week, that they feel in some ways this extraordinary burden to should for everybody, right? To rally the troops, to organize the troops, to keep everybody humming. Um, and that is not sustainable on the long haul. They do it a long time, sometimes decades, but I'd love for you to talk to me specifically about that, about being the parent of Eliza and how seasons have shifted with her and maybe how your faith has shifted or your faith experience has shifted as her mom specifically. I, when I look at Eliza, I see Jesus and I see the face of God in a child that, that does not speak. She doesn't use words to communicate, but she still communicates, you know, she doesn't walk on her own, but she still provides so much love in her physical touch, you know? So I think I have my my view of who God is and who I am in light of that has shifted dramatically in parenting Eliza. Eliza has taught me so much by the gift of getting to, to journey with her and get to be her mother uh, because I'm a output driven person, right? I'm performance driven. I like to get things done. I'm always looking ahead and you can't do that with Eliza. We can't look ahead. We don't have a plan. It's a day-to-day, God give us what we need for right now. Um, and so I've learned I've learned so much and I'm learning so much as we journey through different, you know, seasons uh, with her. I hear in that a posture of both curiosity and humility. And both of those things don't lean very well towards hurry or performance. Mm -hmm. I'm learning that in my own way right now, too, that most of the good stuff doesn't come fast. Most of the good learning and walking and understanding and even just growth, hardly Mm -hmm. ever is it take a pill and pretty soon it's all going to work out. So um, it sounds like Eliza has been a very good teacher. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She, she's very forgiving <laughs> to me. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't, you know, I've been distracted doing this and she's, um, she's so gracious with me and that helps me be gracious to myself mm-hmm. so That's I can be so gracious good. to others. Yeah. Talk to me about writing this particular book because you, your other book that I love so much, um, has some similarities but this is a little bit of a tilt of the prism. And I'd love just like, I'd like to talk a little bit about the writing of it. I assume the writing of this book was a little different. Um, in part Kayla, because even though I'm not writing in that space, I do feel a kinship with you because of the convent and also because we're Iowans and also because like you and I are both moving in kind of parallel tracks. We are trying our darndest to be good mothers to our kids and to be present in our homes and to, you know, invest in our marriages, which all of the things that I just said are all full-time jobs. And then we're also writing books, which is total lunacy. And I'm not sure why I didn't become an accountant. Well, actually I am sure no one yeah, wants nobody me, wants me messing no, with their yeah, money. Yeah. Forget that. No. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
talk about seasons. Before we started recording, you were like, I'm moving into launch season. And for an author, a book launch season is kind of like um, the the upswing of a roller coaster. <laughs> like there is no, once you are on that train, there's no turning back until you get to the top. Um, and the book is out there and then you can start reading your negative Amazon reviews and go back to eating ice cream. But you are in a space where you're juggling lots of things. Um, and I'm wondering about how you do that. <laughs> like what, how, do, what does this look like for you? What does the writing of this look like for you? How do you decide, oh, that's, that's, that's the spot. Like you mentioned earlier, I need to be thinking about my next book. That's a little aside to people who aren't in this very weird job. There's always the hope of the next book. And also you kind of have to be percolating with that. So how did you decide every season sacred was the next book? And then how did you go about writing it? Yeah, it was so different. It It was was. so different. Yes. Because this book is a lot more, there's kind of memoir essays with it. Yes. Which I love. Yes. And it's, it is so vulnerable and it takes a different type of posture of storytelling. I think so much about the actual people in their actual lives opening this book. And, you know, my background is journalism and it's like, serve the reader, serve the reader. So I was thinking about all the real life moms and dads. I know all the people that have shared their experiences, their honest doubt their honest struggle and trying to create something that would share what I have experienced while also bringing them in, also bringing in other writers, theologians, pastors, artists, creators, and showing there's an expansive way to experience God. There's expansive way to experience the different themes that we kind of experience in fall or into winter, you know, whether that's spiritual or just in the everyday experiences of raising children. Um, So writing it was really, uh, it felt vulnerable, more vulnerable to me than I was expecting than than when I wrote to light their way in those prayers, because those prayers, I had this really outward kind of focus and this was so inward as I was writing. So um, so that was really interesting. And I wrote it in the summer when my kids were home. So I literally, I like to write by hand. And I was like, they were playing tennis and I was, you know, writing. Wow. Um, a part of the chapter that's going to go in the book. And so it was, I was living it. You know, there's so many stories in that book that came out of those experiences. Right. Like, my husband's a pastor and he's like, every story, you know, no story is safe. Yeah, I could right. all be a sermon <laughs> illustration. And that is so true as my parenting. Like I'm not, cre- it's not fiction. I'm, I'm literally pulling from my childhood or seasons of my parenting journey or what I have learned from others who have had a different experience and can provide a different perspective, you know? So it has been a real growing opportunity. And I feel like it's so easy for me to get cynical or it's so easy for me to feel a lot of doubt. And I feel like in the writing of this book, God was just like, come, come sit, come sit, come be with me. Um, and I hope that I can give that offering to other parents and other families. Oh, I just love everything you said, except for the part <laughs> about writing books by hand. I don't understand you people, you and Nicole Bart. <laughs> 
my our friend Nicole Bart. You both write books by hand. I don't understand that, but well done. And uh, you are a, a writer's writer, and I am a fake writer because I well, I do a mix. Word. I just do what okay. I have to do. So okay, it's yeah. a, it's a hybrid situation. <laughs> if at tennis you have a paper and a pen, that's where it that's goes. right. Um, yeah, I would love to circle back to what you said about you were envisioning real life people and real life parents in how they would consume this book. You nail that because I, I love the rhythm of this, but I cannot wait to start um, this with my family. So far, I've just read most of it by myself. And then I've realized, wait a minute, I'm just keeping this treasure all to myself. You've divided into sections. I believe they're 13, is it 13 weeks That's per right. section? Yeah. Yep. And then each section begins with, as you said, a reflection or kind of memoir-like story just for me as the mom or the dad. And then you move into um, things that I can do with my family. So a, a, a prayer, um, sometimes a longer prayer at the beginning of the section, but then usually just a um, some scripture to read together and just fantastic questions. Um, and I'm glad you outed yourself again that you are a journalist by heart. And I already know that because your questions are fantastic. I've usually find discussion questions to be lame And I hardly ever read them out loud because I find them to be um, either too sugary or leaning really towards yes or no answers, which is not going to help me with my teenagers. I don't want yes or no. So it, did you lean into your journalism streak, Miss Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I went into <laughs> journalism, you know, I worked in newspapers and magazines and, and I'm so curious and asking questions is part of the job. So it's like my excuse to be nosy, right? <laughs> so it's like, you, oh, got the badge. This, is why, this is why you do the podcast, right? You get to totally. ask anything and they have to answer, you know? So I love getting deeper, going deeper. It's so easy. And I fall into this too, to just be like, oh, how was your day? Or uh, did you have a good day? Or was practice okay? You know, and it's like, those don't go anywhere. Uh, but I love like actually having a thoughtful conversation without any pressure. So it's like, if this, if the scripture is a resource to you, awesome. If you don't have the margin, fine. You know, there are lots of questions to pick from that go through the different, you know, kind of themes of each little mini chapter you know what's going to resonate with your family, your kids in this season of life. Um, so pick and choose. And it doesn't have to be like a thing, you know, it can just an organic rhythm where you're like, oh, I, I read that question. Now we're driving. Maybe we can talk about it. You know, they're yeah. trapped in the car. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Got a captive audience. Really yeah. good car conversation. Yeah. I don't know how you did this, but the questions and you, and the questions along with their kind of sample prayers that you have at the bottom, one for younger families and one for older. Um, I don't know how you did that, but you did it. You, you captured all ages, which again, I just find that to be super difficult. And you did such a good job when you're, I just, a few of the, the questions that I pulled, there was one where you said, what's distracting you right now? Um, and that is a great question for a five-year-old. And it's a great question for a 20-year-old. And a 47-year-old, if I'm being honest. Or why did God give us imaginations, right? Why is that important as a grown-up as well as for a kid? These are, these, are comp these are questions I think that will travel, not just across age, but as you just mentioned, across your days and in other, other contexts. And then that you tie them to scripture and we can know about that when our identity is rooted in 
in Jesus. It's just something else. Well done. Well done, journalist. Thank you. Thank you. It's, you know, as we kind of bring this book into the world, it feels like, is this going to hit? Is this going to resonate in different seasons? So I, it really means so much to me that, that you found, found something there to pull from. Oh, for sure. And I, of course, since I have your number and text you, we'll be following up with conversations (laughs) that happen in our actual, in our actual home. It's funny that you mentioned, um, I thought of the actual families. I thought of the readers. I talked to a lot of writers, um, in a, a couple different contexts. And that is a conversation that we have to continue to return to as writers. But I think also as parents who is in the chair, who is my target market? Who is listening, right? Who do we want to listen? And it's funny how I can zone out and just stop asking that question. When you said we fall back on how was school? Who'd you sit with at lunch? Those are like the, you know, I've got my, I've got my little top five questions, but that can be a zoning out and forgetting who my target market is. So your conversations do such a good job of pulling out better and deeper um, thoughts from everybody in the room. Yeah. Um, so did you already know how to do this? This is my question because, <laughs> uh, devos or spiritual discussions at our house often, I'd say if I did a percentage, um, end up in flames, particularly after dinner with, I grew up in a family that would do after dinner devotions. Okay. So we would listen. And, um, my parents were very good at kind of sparking really great discussions. I think maybe I've rewritten that in my head. I think if I asked my mom, she would say yes, many times up in flames, you know, people are throwing food. They're totally over it. They don't want to talk about things. Fine. Everything's fine. So do you, are spiritual discussions in the home of, in a convent with a liturgist and a pastor leading them? Is that, do people sing in three-part harmony? Oh my gosh. Oh yes. It's just, (laughs) oh, the... My kids have halos. It is <laughs> does C.S. Lewis for yes. come by in a yes, in some yes, way? Yes, Do you quote Narnia to each other? That's right. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> my life is chaos. Right. Our lives are chaos. We all have real, actual lives where we have like the real demands of family and domestic life. And then we're trying to understand what's happening when we pick up our phones and read what's going on in the news. So we're trying to metabolize that and figure out what is our purpose um, in in regards to that and what what is our family's purpose in light of that. You know, we're trying to figure out how to care for our neighbor well, our literal neighbor, our figurative neighbor. It gets so much. And so for me, I wrote the book I needed. I need something that I can turn to that's not high pressure. You know, this book doesn't have dates. It is really like open it, grab what you need, shut it and be done. You know, like it is supposed to be a resource for you to to stay rooted, to exhale, to take a breath Mm -hmm. and just be like, okay, everything is out of control. You know, my kids are fighting and screaming and I have a work deadline and the world is going up in flames. Like, what do I, what do I do here? Um, and there are no easy answers, but I think remembering that God is with us in all of that can help change us from the inside so that we can be moved to, um, live out and live into who we are. Hi, 
Hi folks, just a quick interruption here to let you know about another podcast you might enjoy. My friend Bob Goff and I host The Writing Room, a place where authors talk shop. Whether you are a writer yourself, or you're just curious about how in the world an idea ends up with a barcode, The Writing Room is a place where we talk about all things books. Neither Bob nor I are really into secrets, so we pull back the curtain on how we go about writing and how to have some fun along the way. We would love for you to join us on the adventure. The Writing Room is available on all your favorite streaming platforms and airs nationally on K-Love Radio. And now, back to the conversation. I have one last question for you with before um, my final hit. Uh, and my, I'm wondering about your bent as a poet. Mm-hmm. You are a poet. Um, I, I love your poems. I mean, they're prayers. You write prayers. But there is a beautiful cadence to your prayers and a beautiful um, kind of mix of the ethereal and the earthy, which I think is why I love them so much. I've read many, many, many out loud of To Light Their Way. And one of the reasons I think I connect so much to those is because, and to the ones in Every Season Sacred, is because I feel like you're a compatriot, like you're in, you're in my house. Only you're putting language to things that I cannot. And of course, that is the role of liturgy, right? And of written prayers for someone else to give us something we need to borrow sometimes. Sometimes we just don't have the right things. Um, I have the prayer for winter here um, and just want to read a little bit of it. We thank you for the here, let me take your coat and the sprigs of evergreen in boutonnieres and corsages for winter formal dances with teens who used to be toddlers, now donning dresses and suits. We thank you for snowmen with lopsided smiles, borrowed ice skates, and neighborhood sledding hills, for the sound of laughter that echoes across town. We thank you for the hand-me-down sweaters, sturdy boots, and wet socks drying by the heater. This is my life in the winter. Always. This is my life. And I love it that you, you use a Zoom lens to come into that moment. What I want to know is how did you mix that so beautifully with longer prose and those reflections? Mm-hmm. Really specifically, I want, I write longer form. I, the mm-hmm. memoir piece I have a little bit more experience with, but this poetry situation, do you have to wait until you feel the muse to write something like that? Mm-hmm. Does it have to come to you or you do you always have a part of your brain that is kind of steeped in that kind of language? I think for me, it goes back to paying attention. I think so much of writing, so much of spirituality, so much of parenting goes back to noticing and paying attention. And so I think there is something where I'm always trying to like be present. I think because I have an inclination not to be, I have an inclination to think ahead and think to the future. So for me, it's a practice in my writing and how I show up. Um, in in parenting and in my faith is just to try to notice and then reflect that back to God. And so that is kind of, it's a spiritual practice for me. And so it means a lot when other people are like, I didn't have the words, but this is exactly how I felt. And that, and that is such a, such a gift. Um, and I'm really grateful to hear that sometimes that really hits and resonates. Oh, it does every single time. It does every time. Um, I like to know that how your brain works. I don't yeah. think mine works that way. 
So thank you. My brain is chaos. It just, it just, it doesn't seem like it. You've ordered it very well in this book. I'm very, I need the order. I need the order. That's why I wrote it that way. Cause I, I need that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the humdinger, right? Like we are all, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for these moments. Um, and you mentioned the liturgical calendar, how in church we move towards I mean, whether or not you, your church observes the liturgical calendar, we do have definite rhythms towards Christmas and towards Easter in particular and Lent. Um, and I think that, I think God knows that about us, that we love rhythm. We are, we are naturally disposed to this, you know, cycle of a moon and the cycle of a season and the tide. And, um, I was somewhere this, this summer where the tide rose and receded dramatically twice a day, every 12 hours on the dot. It like, I can't remember how many feet, like it was like watching a bathtub fill all the way up and then all the way down two times a day. Um, and there's something in us that takes comfort in that, that there are cycles and rhythms and cadences. And I think that's why I have latched onto your book so much for my family, because it helps me no matter what the day brings, there is this landing point. There's a rooting point where we all remember, oh yeah, that's who we are. Oh, that's right. That's whose we are. That's whose we are as well. So Kayla, thank you for writing just a beautiful book. And on Instagram as well, everywhere you go, you just are sprinkling in these really beautiful things that are like life jackets every now and then. So don't stop. I'm sorry your life is chaos. Mine is too. (laughs) Keep speaking into it because we need it. You are so gracious. You are so, so kind and generous to say that. Thank you. I'm glad it came off as gracious, but mostly yes. I'm needy. So help me. <laughs> okay. Last question, Kayla. Um, and I know I've asked you this before, so you know that this is coming okay. Two books, one book that you recommend over and over again. It could be 150 years old or older, but one that you keep going back to a little backlist title. And then another book that you're excited to read. Okay. I can't remember what I told you last time. So I'm just going to hit me off the cuff. Um, I love Madeline Lingle's walking on water. Oh, I could turn to to it again and again. Oh, I don't know that I, oh, I have millions of years ago though. Oh, it'll like hit fresh for sure. Okay. I'm putting that to the top of the list. Walking on water by Lingle. Okay. Yeah. Good one. It's so beautiful. And, um, yeah. Is that for everyone? Do you think that's, I mean, I all think, ages? Or I there... think anybody who want, appreciates, um, you know, kind of generative art in any way. So if you appreciate writing, even if you're not a writer, you're a reader, you know, if you appreciate um, just exploring maybe God in everything, um, not just quote unquote, like Christian music or, Christian, yeah. you right. know, writing or Christian art, but just kind of having this kind of nuanced and, um, beautiful view. She just, uh, she talked about putting words to the like cry of your heart. That was, I right. turned to that book again and again. Okay. Great recommendation. Yeah. Thank you. Anything you're excited to read a new title? Oh my goodness. There's so much. I will tell you, I am like, uh, putting books on hold hoarder. Okay. I recently got a Kindle <laughs> and it's shocking for me. I said I was never going to get a Kindle because I love paper, right? That, me too. But it has revolutionized my reading and I feel like I'm reading so much more and faster and I love the Libby. I'm like evangelizing this, but the I Libby- I'm asking you why? Why do you think you're reading more and faster? I don't know. It's just right there. And it's Amazing. just- Amazing. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I don't you know. are target market know. then. I wouldn't have pegged you as I a Kindler. I know. It's wild. It's revolutionary. But I use the I use the Libby app, which is the library sure, app. Sure, me too. And then mm-hmm. I, I put them on hold, get them sent to my Kindle. And I just feel like I'm reading everything and anything. I love all across all genres. So um, gosh, I couldn't even pick just one because I have about 25 books on my hold. Oh, I just let you are a hoarder. But it's good that oh, you totally. acknowledge it. So yeah. those download directly to the Kindle, Kindle if you have it on hold, right? Yes, yeah. and it's so free. That's awesome because yeah. then you're not standing in the library thinking, what was that book that I was going to read? It's just going oh, straight yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. And I am notoriously really bad at getting books back to the library mm-hmm. on time. Same. So this Same. just gets sent off and I, I don't have to feel guilty. Totally. We used to say that they needed to name um, the new wing of our library after us because of late fees. We were prolific in our late fees. You were a donor. Yeah. We were accidental donors. Yeah. That's right. Totally. (laughs) Kayla Craig, thank you for joining me from the convent. Thank you so much for writing a beautiful book, Every Season Sacred. I am super excited to introduce this to the seasons in my home. Um, And I only talk about things that I really love. And this is something I really love. And you are someone I really love. So thank you for doing this beautiful work, even in the craziness of your normal daily life. I know that when we turn these cameras off, I have three toilets I need to clean. And someone at your house might have, I don't know, had a bloody nose all within the last hour. So I see you and I'm thanking you. Thank you. Press on. Don't stop. Thank you so much. So grateful for you. love the way that Kayla stubbornly and persistently invites the sacred into ordinary moments. Don't you love that? You're also going to love her new book, so please pick up a copy of Every Season Sacred by Kayla Craig for your family. In our house, fall is the best time to bring in some structure mm-hmm, that feeds our souls and our minds. So this book is the ticket. And definitely follow Kayla on all the socials because I have happened upon some really beautiful ideas there in breath prayers, moments of reflection and contemplation, even in the middle of full days. So check that out. That is all for now, but come back soon. We have a lineup of some really wonderful conversations in this third season, and I would love for you to hang out with us along the road. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. I consider it such an honor to be in your earbuds, your AirPods, your iPods, your AirPody buds, whatever those things are called. Thank you. Come back soon, friends, and let's keep chatting for real. Mm-hmm.